Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Um, it's my pleasure to welcome you today and to welcome a special guest, Amanda Webster from somewhere exotic in the United States. Hi, uh, well, good evening, Amanda. Well, if by exotic you mean hot as, as all blazes, yes, I'm in beautiful Arizona where it is currently about 107 degrees. Seriously, 107? Yes. I'm just sad now. I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> you know what? We had frost last night and it's when, where are we? May. And it's just bizarre weather at the moment. Anyway, there you go. Ar- tell me about Arizona. Is that a wonderful place to be? It is pretty beautiful. I mean, we have a lot of uh, really gorgeous scenery here. I'm just at the foot of the Superstition Mountains. So a lot of nice hiking and stuff when it's not 107 degrees outside. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a little rough sometimes to get through the summer, but that's kind of my time to read a lot of books and reflect and do more yoga, I suppose. Yeah, Less hiking, more yoga. <laughs> the yoga thing, it's really taken off, hasn't it? I mean, yoga has been in everyone's life a long time, but... What do you think it is that suddenly made yoga sort of really come alive? Well, I think there's a couple of aspects to it because I think there's people that are looking to get more in shape, especially right now. They're looking for ways to stay healthy during this COVID pandemic. But I also think that many people are learning of the roots of yoga. And I know for me, yoga, I I, I was kind of really introduced to yoga when my mom passed away and I was looking for a way to cope with that grief. And at the time, I wasn't super successful with with utilizing yoga as a means for uh, mental health treatment. But now that I kind of understand more what yoga is about because at the time it was more I was thinking oh well I need to look like this I need to be able to get this position for yoga to be effective for me and now I I've been certified in three different types of yoga um, and I utilize it a lot not just to stay healthy but to stay grounded to stay mindful to to learn these things on my mat of how to cope with discomfort. I mean, it's not comfortable being in downward dog. It's not meant to be comfortable, but you learn to breathe through that discomfort and then you can take that off of the mat. So I think yoga really has a lot to offer. And I think more and more people are becoming educated about that. I think um, with the current scenario, certainly uh, where, you know, we've experienced this massive lockdown over here. I think you guys have as well in certain parts of the, the US. A lot of Europe's been locked down. We've all been turning to things like yoga. And uh, I think uh, we all have our downward dog stories. Who, who got trapped in the downward dog? And, and as a guy, I find right. it, it's been actually quite pleasant doing it because you've not got that problem about going to a gym and being 
uh, encased in lycra, which is which is often a very off-putting thing, isn't it? There's a sort of a gym decorum and a, a well, gym here, here vibe. We, yeah, here it's Lululemon, and that's that's a big brand. I don't know if you guys have it there, but everybody who's quote-unquote anybody wears Lululemon workout clothes, and they're ridiculously expensive workout clothes that I promise you aren't any better than the $20 yoga pants I'm wearing right now. Yeah. But um, there is a certain kind of vibe that comes with a lot of gyms. For me, when I do go to the gym, I do think it has its place. And I'm not going to lie, I miss the gym right now. I love just going, putting on my little kitty headphones. And um, I watch I watch video games in French. I'll watch video game walkthroughs in French because I, I've been learning French for the past couple of years. And it's a great way to get my, my language learning in. But I think it has its place as long as you kind of disconnect from that culture. As long as you don't let other people tell you what it is your goals are, what you should look like, or what you should be doing. When I go to the gym, I literally put my headphones on, get on the treadmill, go do my weights and leave. Like I don't look at other people. I don't look, take it as a time to compare myself. Am I running as fast as that person? Or do I look like this person? That's not what the gym's for. The gym for me is just kind of a playground that I go to a few times a week when it's available and we're not all in the middle of the global pandemic. Um, right. To kind of just really run it out. I don't, I don't, I enjoy nature, don't get me wrong. I will get up every single morning and I'll either go rollerblading or go biking. Um, but I don't enjoy running in nature. I don't know why, but I don't like jogging and running like out and about. I really enjoy being on a treadmill, I guess, because really? I but, can watch. But being, but being in nature is so good for you. I mean, um, our mental health has improved by being in, in the nature, in the, in the world of nature. Anyway, before we get into an argument, I actually yeah. haven't introduced you yet. So, um, no, I, we, I totally just, agree with you. We've just got going and we've just got chatting. So first of all, how did Amanda, um, tell me how, what, you know, what, what, what do you describe yourself as? What, what is it you do? Well, I, there's so many layers to that. I, my just label superficial. is actually, yes, the superficial label is I'm a certified mind body wellness coach and a certified yoga instructor. So what that means is I work with my clients on bridging the gap between mental and physical health, because a lot of people think, okay, well, you have to go to this person for your mental health needs and then you have to go to this person for your physical health needs and then you have to go here for this and really there's a lot of things that you can do in your life without going anywhere for that matter that will help in all of those aspects physically and mentally so i teach people how they can be as high as possible on their own personal what i call happiness spectrum without really needing to go anywhere yeah Okay, and how did you get in this sort of world? People have all sorts of different ways of accessing this place, but where did you start? How did you get into this particular line of work or line of life? Well, there are so many different steps to getting where I am right now. I majored in um, as my mind-body wellness coach. I majored as mind-body wellness coach back in 2011. And for me at the time, it was just I was looking for something to do i didn't really know what i wanted to do with my life it was a few years after my mom passed away and i was still kind of trying to find myself and learn myself and i, I liked the aspect of um being more natural because i'd been guinea pigged a lot um in the mental health realm through my life i had been through a lot of therapists through a lot of medications and they did not have good effects with me it did not work well for me and I kind of wanted to learn more. My, my schooling initially was really, I wanted to learn more about these things for myself. And I, my specialty was holistic nutrition because I really wanted to learn more about the connection between uh, what we eat and how that affects us. 
I grew up in steak and potato country, Missouri. I grew up as having a mom who was a general manager at McDonald's. I don't think I ever ate a vegetable. Everything came out of boxes or, you know, little plastic lunchable containers. And looking back now, there's really, it's pretty obvious why I ended up with so many um, mental health issues. And I'm not saying that those things caused my depression, those things yeah. caused my mental health issues, but it definitely doesn't give you a fair shot at being able to handle stress or mental um, mental distress yeah. when those things come along. I don't. Th um, I don't think people. I don't think really people get the nutrition side so much. That they, they, they. If you. I mean, that's that thing. It's it's the thing you do every single day. It's as, it's you know it's the thing we do after breathing. Really, isn't it? Is to bring nutrition into our bodies after oxygen. And I don't think people are really are mindful enough about what they're eating and how they're eating it. I know that was true for me. And even after my schooling, I still don't think I particularly had a great relationship with food because uh, the, the schooling had really pushed, you know, eat organic, don't eat processed food. And that's great. But for me, I was like, okay, well, this cupcake is gluten-free and organic. So doesn't that mean it's healthy? I still don't think I truly had a firm grasp on reality, uh, even with all this schooling and these things that were telling me why these things weren't healthy. I was in denial and we like to believe when we fall into these mindsets of, of depression or of, of mental struggle, we like to believe, but I'm doing everything I can and these things are happening to me regardless. And I can say that 98% of the time, that's a lie. I can say that from my personal experience and that, that I've seen with a lot of my clients where so many people will say, well, I'm doing everything I can. I've done everything I can and I still feel depressed. And I encourage them, well, what have you done? Tell me about what we've already tried. And it's usually, well, I went to a therapist. I tried this medication, this medication. Yeah. You know, I, for me, I had done that. I taken yoga classes. I'd actually got certified as an instructor. I tried, you know, different, different ways of eating. I tried the essential oils. I tried the books, but the problem was, is I'd try one thing and it wouldn't work and I'd quit. And I'd try one thing and it wouldn't work and I'd quit not realizing that there was a really important balance to these things. Yeah. There's an important balance of what are you putting in your body? How are you treating your body? What is your lifestyle like? Are you spending all day on social media? Because you can go to the gym and eat organic salads all day long, but if you're staring at an Instagram feed for four hours of the day, that's still going to affect your mental health. And there's so many different uh, layers to it, really. Yeah. So you, so you, I've, I mean, reading your website is fascinating. So you talk about having this background and, but then it, October, 2018, something significant really happened to you. So what was all that yeah. about? So I think what truly happened is that I had not dealt with the trauma of losing my parents at a young age. I was sexually assaulted when I was 16. Um, I had all these different traumas that happened and I don't think I ever really coped with them. I was in an emotionally abusive relationship through most of my twenties. And the one thing that I turned to that was healthy was Lincoln park. I don't know if uh, they are as big there as they are here, but uh, Lincoln park was a very popular band in the early two oh, yeah. thousands. Yeah. And I found them when I was 16, actually just before my sexual assault was when I was first introduced to the band. And the night that that happened, I remember laying in the shower, you know, the one thing they tell you not to do if you're sexually assaulted, but I remember laying in the shower, listening to the music and it just connected to me so much. And it felt so much like my theme song 
that throughout my life, that was what I would turn to when things got really dark. Like when my mom passed away, I was 22. I had no idea what, what to do. Like I just felt like suddenly I was thrust into this adult world all by myself. I didn't really have anybody. I was in a new city, uh, completely alone, no money. And I just remember singing the same song to myself for three days just to try and deal with that, with that stress. So when the lead singer took his life, I feel like all of a sudden that was the catalyst that all of a sudden all that trauma hit me all at once. All this unresolved trauma of losing my parents in my early 20s of um, sexual assault and everything hit me. And suddenly I didn't know how to cope. Like I had no idea. Suddenly I felt like I didn't have my security blanket of this band and everything just fell apart. So in October 2018, I ended up on the ledge of a Canadian hotel room ready to take my life. Okay. And so what happened? Well, it was, it's kind of poetic uh, because part of the reason I was up there, as I said, was because I felt like um, his suicide was kind of the catalyst for all these things opening and me having being forced to, to face my demons, I guess. Mm. And at that point I had been about, let's see June, July, July, August, four months clean off of um, cocaine and self-harm because I met the other lead singer of the band and he kind of inspired me to get uh, unknowingly inspired me to get clean off of self-harm and cocaine but at that point it was okay well now I have no coping mechanisms but I don't even have the bad coping mechanisms yeah. anymore um, and I, I found myself on that ledge and right outside my door at that exact moment a Linkin Park song turned on. And it was so crazy because the entire three days I'd been in this in this hotel, there was nothing. There was no people, there was no music. I didn't even know there was a cleaning crew. I never saw Hyde and I or anyone. When you showed up at this place, you had to bring in the receptionist. The receptionist did not stay at a desk. Like they had to be kind of called in. Um, so it was a very interesting setup. And just for that song to have turned on at that exact moment in a French speaking province, no less, like this isn't even in America where you'd think that these songs would be uh, playing. But that was kind of my wake up call that I, it wasn't my time. I, I, I needed to do something. And like I said, I convinced myself that I'd done everything. But yeah. once I really started reflecting, once I came down and I fell apart and I hit rock bottom, because that's what happened is, I, I walked to the door because I thought I was hallucinating and I walked to the door and I looked outside and I saw, you know, that they were playing this on a boom box and I had a little interaction with them in French and I went back inside my hotel room and just lost my mind, just fell apart, sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I think I needed to hit that rock bottom to really deal with everything that I'd been avoiding all these yep. years, like mm-hmm. all of that pain, I needed to feel the pain and I was avoiding it. And that's what led me to that ledge is I was, avo- I felt pain. Don't get me wrong. I did. But the pain I felt was the pain of avoiding the suffering yeah. of avoiding, you know, the, not, not the suffering, but avoiding the emotions that yeah. came with the events. So I firmly believe, um, and this is really big in Buddhism, but I firmly believe that it isn't the event that causes the suffering. When my mom died, of course, I would have been sad as I should have been. She was my mother and I loved her and I had every right to be sad, but the actual suffering came from me trying to avoid that sadness, from me trying to pick up my pieces and say, no, I'm okay, I'm okay, I need to be okay. I didn't need to be okay, I needed to grieve my mother, you know? And 
um, once I really just allowed myself to feel all of those feelings and get them out, then I could start picking up my pieces and saying, what do I need to do to really get yeah. healthy? Because I've struggled with mental health problems my whole life. Uh, as far back as I can remember, I'd always had some kind of anxiety or mental health problems. Uh, depression, very deep depression. I was in and out of therapy since probably fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And I was always told that it's something I would always deal with, that I'd always deal with depression. I'd never really live a happy life. Who wants to hear that? <laughs> like, who wants to be told by a professional, you will never be happy. You will never live a happy, fulfilled life. The best you can hope for is to not be in pain, which I mean is great, but yeah. I don't, it wasn't what I wanted. And when I came back from Canada, which is where, uh, this hotel incident took place. When I came back, I went to a mental health professional and I explained what had happened. And I said, look, I am going to heal myself. I'm going to get better. I don't want to feel this pain anymore. I don't want to have this depression anymore. I've had it long enough. This has been decades. I'm going to heal myself. And no, 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 no. Let me leap in. Okay. So you made a choice. I did. And at any point in your life, you could have made that choice. But I could have. And I, I and thought you, I did. I ah, thought but, I did. But, but, had, but had you, because actually you're sort of conflating the ideas of pain and grief and choice together, but actually that, that choice could have made it any, been made at any time. Yes, and I think that that's something that I was in denial about. I think so, a lot of people so, were in denial about. So do you think you were let down by the mental health practitioners you'd worked with? I think I was let down by every single freaking one of the mental health yeah. professionals I worked with. When I was 16, I was told that... Uh, people like me, they diagnosed me bipolar at the time. They said bipolar people will always make the wrong decisions. Yeah, well, that, that, that's terrible. I mean, seriously. Right, tell I mean, a 16-year-old child. Tell anybody, you shouldn't tell anybody that, ever. No, uh, you really shouldn't. So what, and then so, I, was told by this, I was told by this one that I couldn't heal myself, that I would never be happy. Literally, you will never be happy. Yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? Like, why would I ever be motivated to try to... Yeah find a way if that's what a professional is telling me. So, so it strikes me, it strikes me there are many therapists and mental health practitioners who, whose sole goal is almost to perpetuate the problems that people present with. And um, I don't know whether it's a revenue model or whatever it is, but very few people empower people to help themselves. Because actually you helped yourself and all came, you shopped forever for solutions Effective, that's what you're doing. You're sort of like a butterfly, you know, yeah. bouncing off like di different pollen things. Yeah, I'll have one of these, I'll have one of these. But the, the, fundamentally, the thing that solved you or saved you is, and, and I hear this for a lot of people who've um, had suicide ideation or have actually attempted it, it, it comes to a point, it comes to a point where you actually just make a choice. And that's the bit, that's the bit where your life turns. And it sounds like that was the situation for you. So, so you talked about the pain being the thing that allowed you to make the choice. But for people who don't necessarily want to get all the way down to that where you got to how do you make that choice how do you make those choices earlier i think we instinctively know that the choices we're making aren't positive ones i think i knew deep down inside that that gluten-free organic cupcake uh gluten-free vegan organic cupcake was not healthy but i justified it to myself because it's what i i wanted it's the the vice that i wanted i justified the cocaine i justified drinking, I justified all of these things to myself because I didn't want to face my demons. But when you yeah. really sit down and you say, what unhealthy choices am I making in my life? What habits do I have that aren't serving me? If you would just take some time to get off 
your social media, to get off your phone, to get off these things and sit with yourself and say, okay, what's working for me and what's not working for me. And really dial down, like really crack down on the things that are working, you know, give yourself more time to enjoy these hobbies and these, these practices but, but, but and start eliminating the things that aren't. Yeah. But what you're talking about there is, is, it's fine, but that's all the, the ephemeral stuff, isn't it? The, the, the thing, what you said was the choice bit. The, what you were just talking about there was the distraction piece. I mean, we spend a lot of our times distracting ourselves from making the real big choices. And what you, right. you're saying now, actually, with the cupcakes, great, great point, isn't it? You sort of knew. But I wonder whether people sort of know, but they don't know how. They don't know how to make that choice. And it's almost the pain thing was the point you got the, and we talk about the Buddhist thing, you've got some sort of enlightenment from the pain. Some people get enlightenment from meditation. Some people get, it's, it's, it's funny how those two things nearly always seem to come together when you talk about this sort of subject. Yeah, it, it really is. I think there's so much interconnectedness there. And I mean, everybody's point is different. Some people have to hit rock bottom. Some people really just wake up one day and say, I hate this. I don't like I don't like my life. If you are waking up in the morning and saying, "Ugh, another day," that's probably a pretty good indication that something needs to change. Because Spot. I tot I yes. so I so agree, and I think having that sort of audit point in your life yeah. is yeah. the I, is the thing, isn't it? I mean, why don't we just listen to ourselves? Yeah, I think checking in with yourself is the most important thing that you can yeah. do, and I still do it, you know, regularly, at least a few times a week. I'll check in and say, "Okay, what was really working for me this week, and what wasn't." And so you saw, so you actually consciously review now, do you? Because you never mentioned that when you were being distracted and pushing things and shopping for excitement. And now you're saying actually that you really consciously check in yourself. Some people journal, don't they? Some people review, as you say, but you think that's an important part of the process. Yeah, I think that's completely a huge part of the process, if not like the biggest part. Really so you're, coach, is... you're coaching yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest uh, misconception people have about coaches, life coaches and whatnot. And the things that I do is I'm not telling you what you need to do. I'm asking questions and helping you figure it out for yourself because it. it's yep. going to be different. Yeah. It's going to be different for every person. And while, you know, I do, I, I have been developing an online course that kind of walks people through how to make these choices and how they can improve their lives to be happier on, or higher on that happiness spectrum it's going to look slightly, slightly different for everybody else. I mean, there are the core foundations of, are you taking care of your body? Are you taking care of, of its needs? But then there's a lot of other things of how do you know what to eliminate? How do you know what to add? How do you know um, how to really build a healthy lifestyle? Because yeah. so often nowadays, people will either push the fitness aspect or they'll push the health yeah. aspect, the, the nutrition aspect, or they'll push the medication therapy aspect. And there are so many more aspects to really balancing physical and mental health and a healthy lifestyle than just, are you eating healthy? Are you working out? Are you not going crazy? Because I noticed when I was seeing a mental health professional that it wasn't, are you happy? It's, are you not going to harm yourself? Yes. Well, it's the, the, the greatest risk, isn't it? So you and I could chat for hours. Tell, tell people how they can get hold of you and how they can get hold of this new online course. Um, yes, so amandawebsterhealth.com is my website. I really implore everyone to sign up for the newsletter so they can get updates about the course. I also send out a lot of 
tips like um, you would see on my Instagram, which is at Amanda Webster Health. But I send out a lot of uh, content that's just uh, how to find balance in your life with mental health, nutrition, physical health, and how to take action and not get stuck in these negative cycles, how you can recognize what changes need to be make, made. Um, so I also have a free download when you do sign up for the mailing list that will tell you the top 10 nutrient deficiencies that affect mental health and where you can get yeah. all these nutrients so that you can make sure you're getting that balance because it's super important to make sure that you're giving your body that best chance possible. Whether you're having you know mental health struggles or not, it's really important to give your body and mind that, that best chance possible. And I really love connecting with people I really love chatting with people, hearing their stories. Um, I'm always happy to answer any questions that anyone has about mine. I also just started a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Amanda Webster Health, where um, I post a lot of content about how you can how you can help yourself with stress, anxiety, depression, addiction, that sort of thing. So lots of options. And I Brilliant. Really Let's start with the website though, Amanda Webster Health. So that .com, that's the key one. So Amanda, it's been a joy to chat to with you today. And um, I think it's been some really interesting points and such like. So thank you so much for spending um, half an hour with us. And um, I wish you great mental health. And thank you um, for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. No problem. You take care. You too. Hi everybody, I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.